This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTKA.com. You know what we do Fridays in the nine o'clock. Not Fridays, Thursdays in the nine o'clock hour. We do the MGO Blog Roundtable with the crew from MGO Blog, starting with the man that started it all over at MGOBlog.com. Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? Tired. It's game week. I I, I bet you're tired, right? Get that preview. Randy yeah. Seth Fisher. I don't. With I love seeing. Blocks? I love seeing Brian back in the chair, man. It's 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 a great feeling. Uh, <laughs> uh. And then, of course, Craig Ross, he who has seen the most game weeks of us all, right, Craig? I'm sure that's absolutely true. So I'm old and tired, not just tired, old and tired, which is worse. So. Uh, all right. So before we get into talking about this game, this opponent, Colorado State, and. News that I bet you guys were expecting. I certainly was expecting. We even previewed it uh, that you have one quarterback start one game, the other quarterback start the next. Okay, so McNamara starting opener, which was can't imagine another scenario. And then that JJ was going to start game two. They look at those games and figure out who starts game three, uh, and maybe the the competition goes you know into the Big Ten season. Who knows? What do you guys think? Starting with you, Brian, of Jim's decision in that regard. Well, I mean, I think it makes a certain level of sense. I mean, with McCarthy coming on, you know, it feels like you want to keep both these guys on the roster for this year. Um, <clears throat> and given what happens in modern college football, like, is there some chance that whoever the starter is gets hurt? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if and when that happens, you're going to be pretty happy that you gave someone a start, whoever the the guy who ends up being the backup is. Um <clears throat> Just because you know he'll have done it before, he'll have, he'll have gone through all of what that means, and he'll be better prepared to lead the team. Now, I, I don't think that a start against Colorado State or a start against Hawaii is going to be definitive, right? Because Hawaii mm-hmm. looks terrible. Colorado State's an entirely new team, but <clears throat> you know, I think what is probably going to happen is we're going to be playing in that Iowa game, and there might be a point in that Iowa game where it's just really hard to move the ball and they go with the other quarterback. And then it's like, all right, this seems to be our guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seth. Yeah. I, I think it's smart to announce what you're going to do ahead of time. Cause I mean, if they didn't say anything and all of a sudden JJ comes out and starts the Hawaii game, everyone's be like, what, what you just benched the guy who threw for 400 yards against Colorado state. Um, <laughs> Those people will not have read inside the sub. If they were thinking <laughs> yeah. that. But yeah, but I, most people are not. Most fans are not going to be like following the insider stuff. They're going to be like, okay, who's our quarterback this year? Like on Saturday is when they start asking the question. So I, you're, I, it's a good way to do it. Uh, you have a unique scenario, not a unique scenario, but you've got an interesting scenario. And I keep going back to this. It's a far better scenario than not having two guys. So you're like, okay, what are you going to do? How do you split them? How do you, are you going to split the team? There's always questions about what's going on with this. The ideal situation for Michigan is they go through this season with two quarterbacks so they don't end up in Iowa with an injury and then you have nobody like Penn State did last year, right? They've got, they had the starter for UConn starting for them last year for three quarters and they lost Iowa because of it. So, I mean, that's, that's the situation that you want to avoid. Next year, you're going to want to have two guys as well. I don't think both of these guys are going to be on the roster next year. I think the ideal situation would be Cade gets drafted and, you know, is JJ. Is there a bet on that? If there is, bet on both of them not 
Yeah. <laughs> Both those guys not being on the roster. At Michigan only having one of them next year, I think that's a pretty Well yeah, I told you last bet. segment I think that's the second and third best quarterback in the in the Big Ten right now. You know, they deserve to start. Both of those guys deserve to be starting. Michigan, you know, when I first became a Michigan fan, they had two quarterbacks as well. So I, I this feels natural to me. <laughs> Craig? Yeah, uh, this is concerning. Uh, I think it's ha- being handled right by Harbaugh and the coaching staff. But it's concerning to me because I've just seen over the years so many times when there's two quarterbacks and it doesn't work out. Uh, even in 1961, when the uh, 49ers decided they were going to explicitly play two quarterbacks on alternating plays, uh, and and they were, incidentally, that was a throwback to a single wing offense for the first time in many years. And it worked for a bit, but then it just didn't work at all. And the team split and, uh, and then they, they just failed. Uh, and so I just can't recall it. It didn't really work that well here with uh, two great quarterbacks, Brady and Henson. I think Henson would have been a great uh, NFL quarterback if, uh, if he had stayed with that, as opposed to being bribed by George Steinbrenner to play baseball, which was not in his own best interests. Uh, and the, um, didn't work. It just didn't work. Anyone who, who, and Seth would, you know, lived through that. That's yeah. Yeah. In fairness to drew though, he, um, got a lot less injured playing baseball than he would have been. I mean, he's doing fine now. He, he works for the Yankees. Like his life turned out pretty okay. It wasn't like the worst. It sucked for Michigan fans. But, like, from his own standpoint, I don't think it's that fair to, like, criticize him. He loves baseball. Well, well, yeah, and I'm yeah. not criticizing the choice except in one sense. Uh, I think he could have been a great NFL quarterback. Sure, if sure. Watched, he would have been a higher draft pick. Yeah, yeah if you watch, <laughs> he probably would have been the first draft pick. Right. And, and, and if, because if you watch the game with Drew Brees and uh, and, Brate and uh, Henson when they went after each other in that game, was unbelievable. You can't look at that game and say Drew Brees was better because he wasn't. And uh, and and so his ability as as a football quarterback was unbelievable. So I'm not saying he didn't make a good choice and it hasn't worked out for him. And, I don't understand well, what this has to do with McNamara and McCarthy. Because well, Brady and Brady, it what it has to do with when you had Brady and Henson, it really didn't work out that well. Now maybe it was handled less. With with less aplomb than uh, than wow. Harbaugh is going to be able to 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 to. I think uh, you just nailed it. it. I think you just nailed it. Uh, I think this comes down to how your coach handles it. We've mm-hmm. seen coaches successfully navigate this here in recent. Memory. I mean, most notably Bama with with Hertz and Tagovailoa. You were able to to nav- and obviously those two quarterbacks weren't on the same team the year after. But <clears> while <throat> they were on the same team, you had their head coach Nick Saban do a really good job of of handling two guys that he thought he could win with but one guy who he thought would get him over the top now i've said before that i think i think that will wind up being jj this year i'm not rooting for a certain outcome i'm not guaranteeing you that it will happen because it could be the case that the improvement that Cade has shown over the course of the offseason which everyone has has without exception spoken to you know maybe he has elevated himself to to the level where he can put the team on his back or on his arm and carry it to victory like I think might be necessary in Columbus like I think might be necessary you might have to be you might have to go Stetson Bennett I mean Stetson Bennett in the first half of that game it might sound ridiculous to say he was brilliant you might have to have your quarterback do that if you're going to go from a 11 win team to a 14 win team. That's what we're talking about, right? We aren't just talking about Big Ten championship. I don't mean to say just like that's a small thing. It's a huge thing and even bigger if you got to go into Columbus and do it. It'll be harder this year. But we're talking about winning a playoff game. We're talking about maybe winning a national championship. I think that's going to require more from the quarterback position this year. And they got to play games and have that, that competition go into games to figure out who that guy is, in my opinion. Do you, do you know which coach I think has done the best job of navigating this of anybody? Who was the coach of the 49ers in 2011 when Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick 
right? Yeah. Like you had that situation there, right? And Alex Smith, he came back out of the the lockout and he led the team and everyone believed in him. And then what happened? Like, you know, you have this Colin Kaepernick guy. He gives your offense a whole new dimension and you are a better team with him behind center once he's ready to go. Uh, you know, and and whatever coach that was, it was coaching the 49ers in 2011. He did a great job. Another coach who did a great job was the guy at Stanford when Andrew Luck was coming up, right? They they beat USC with Tavita Pritchard. There's your guy, right? That dude actually managed to do it. Now, he wasn't a great quarterback, but Andrew Luck gets ready. He has his freshman season. He doesn't play. He comes out the next year and like, okay, this guy can play. And he navigated that well, too. Whoever that coach is, they should figure out who he is, talk to him, and see how the, he did it. See, see, I, but I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't think your concerns are invalid, Craig. I think it's a valid concern based on history. Absolutely. What are but they supposed think... to do? Kick one of the kids off the team? Like... <laughs> no. Right, but, but I think, I think what the, the concern you express is why it had to be this way, is why you had to go into games, into the season, play games, and let that be a part of the competition. Because let's say, let's say you think J.J. is a guy. I'm not saying that Jim thinks that. You can't, you can't make him the guy in camp. You cannot make him the guy in camp for the reason that you expect. Guys got to see it, and they got to see it in game action for for it not to be what you're what you're talking about. For it not to be the the roster being split, they got to see. Okay, I, this dude is the one that can get us over the top. And if they don't see it in games, you run the risk of guys not buying in. Say, man, maybe coach is playing favorites. Maybe coach is just looking at his looking at his press clippings, looking at his five-star rating and being too enamored with that. You see it in games, that's how you get over that hump, in my opinion. Well, I agree. I mean, and so far, I have no criticism of the way Harbaugh, the coaching staff, has, has, handled, the, has handled quarterbacks. Uh, I just don't, and, it, and it's not like, uh, as Brian suggests, they can actually do anything in some sense beyond what they've done. It's just that, it's it's a very difficult situation. It's difficult for the kids. It's difficult. It's not for the a difficult coach. situation. I it's, think it I is. Mean, no, it's not a difficult. Like like this is like okay. We have a really good backup quarterback, and that's a problem. It's not a problem. It's a well, good thing. We'll see. We'll see. I, you it, know, I I, mean, I, I yeah. sorry, Brian. They I actually did it you. successfully <laughs> last. They they played successfully last year. Yeah, it is. I mean, it now. isn't like I, I just I just can't get behind the idea that okay, there's a really good backup option a quarterback is a problem for the team so like, well this gets if to the, the next season question. falls apart it's not going to be because like the you know the quarterbacks got mad at each other and threw ketchup on each other's shirt <laughs> <laughs> they're not 12 that's probably true right right so this gets to my next question though and, and we'll start with you brian so what does being the guy mean so you get the number one job you're, you're the job you're the number one quarterback you've officially been named that guy after the Iowa game. What yeah. does that mean moving forward? It means you're the starting quarterback. <laughs> I don't know what you, what, what so what I mean is, does that mean what it meant for Tom Brady after the Michigan state game? Sam, we're fans. The guy, we don't know. Didn't really see Drew Henson as much. <laughs> we don't, what, who, Nearly who on this much, panel is going to know the answer to that? We're, we're fans, right? We, we don't well, know. Well, I'm like, asking you what you think. What do you well, think it will mean? <laughs> all right. Well, so, I think it's got a different answer depending on who it is. Because if it's J.J. McCarthy, I think it's just going to be J.J. McCarthy. If it's McNamara, I think McCarthy still brings that running element that you could see him on the field in certain packages, particularly in the red zone. Because last year, Michigan was not good in the red zone, despite having uh, Hassan Haskins. And this year, they have a question mark at uh, their power back spot. And evening up those numbers, playing 11 on 11 in the red zone, it could be something that they, they continue to want to explore. Um, <clears throat> but if it's, if it is McCarthy, like I think there's not going to be a situation where it's like, Oh, it's a two minute drill. We'll bring in McNamara. Cause if it is McCarthy, they got to be close enough in terms of throwing the ball mm -hmm. that that's not going to make sense. Yeah. Great. I mean, sorry. Sorry. I, I, you know, there's the situation. If it's, if it's McCarthy, I think you're right. They have to see it on the field for, for the players to get behind it because McNamara has been leading this team and led them to a big championship, and they believe in that guy. And, you know, the, if it's McNamara, I mean, let's not just, like, throw out the possibility of that result. Absolutely. Right? Like, he plays, he just, and he looks like he's better than C.J. Stroud. 
And I, you know, it's hard to tell against these teams because you could, you know, someone who's not a very good quarterback could look way better than C.J. Stroud against the secondaries we're going to be going up against soon. But let's say McNamara is obviously the better quarterback in these games, right? Like J.J. just throws some interceptions, something like that. You sit down McNamara in the office afterwards and say, you're my starting quarterback this year. You're going to lead this team again. And next year you're going to the NFL because I need to have JJ stick around next year. And I, and I know I'm not going to get it from you. So either way, man, I need you to take us all the way and I'm going to get you drafted. And that's going to be the conversation. Yeah. My concern goes back. uh, You know, the question is what is the harm in having a a great backup quarterback? And in some contexts, yeah, that's right. But was Brady as good as he could be when he was looking over his shoulder at Drew Henson? No. Was Henson as good as he could be when he was looking over his shoulder at Tom Brady? No. And so the last time it happened, it didn't work. They were both worse. And so the that's my concern. Now, maybe that won't happen this year. Uh, maybe Harbaugh will handle it and the team will handle it reasonably. I hope so. That's for sure. I mean, I think I agree with all of you that next year, one of those two guys is unlikely to be in Ann Arbor. Um, I mean, I think okay. I think there's some revisionist history with 1999 about whether Tom Brady would have been the problem with not, with Tom Brady in early 1999. The problem with Henson too a little bit was that the offensive <clears> line <throat> kept on getting injured. Right, they lost David yeah. Brandt for a while. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you know, they had Adam Atkins starting. Yeah. It, it was the the 2000 line that everyone remembers so well. Uh, half of them were not even available for that game for yeah. that season. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah, we'll see. And, and to your point, to get off of this topic, first two weeks of camp, while you, you heard the quarterback battle was close, and I heard it was close, I heard that Cade had outperformed J.J. over the first couple of weeks of camp. And then it started to go more back and forth the second half of camp. It started to be more, you know, what we, what we expect to see from these guys as we get into the season with one guy had a great practice, next day the other guy had a better, better practice. And we'll see. If they separate, and that makes sense based on the fact that JJ missed the spring. So uh, now we get it, the rubber hits the road uh, a little bit in, against the cupcakes in the non conference, and it really hits the road uh, once you get in the conference play, especially in Iowa City. Any words yet? Any, is that going to be a night game? You guys have so you, Is it, is it going to be a night game? What do you think? No one, no one's told me. <laughs> no, no idea. All right, so let's get into talking Colorado State, fellas. Colorado State, the Rams gone. Is Steve Adazio? How did he ever get that job in the in the first place? Jay Norvell comes over and and takes over in league, makes a in league hop, uh, and is charged with bringing Colorado State up. Uh, the question is, will he bring them up this year to some sort of respectability? Doesn't seem like they're much uh, much of a chance of that against Michigan. Brian, am I off base? Uh, yeah, no. I. <laughs> what's the spread here? It's like 35 30, or 30. 30. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> they were pretty trash last year, and they brought in a ton of transfers, so it's you never really know what you're going to get from these teams, but you know the chances that they're able to <clears throat> radically reshape what they are and win in Ann Arbor to stay competitive is, is distant. It's a distant thought at best. Yeah. I, I have some thought. I mean, uh, Colorado State was actually competitive the first six games of last year. They, they were three and three. Uh, they beat Toledo at Toledo, and Toledo really beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Uh, so Toledo wasn't a trash team. Uh, and, uh, and they also played Iowa even at, at, at Iowa. Uh, that was a 24-14 game. Both teams gained about 250 to 275 yards. So neither team really moved the ball all that well. Then they completely fell apart. They lost their last six games. Uh, many of them were close. Most of them were close. And then they lost 52 to 10 to Reno, uh, Nevada, in, in the last game. So what they did was they said, okay, we're hiring that coach uh, and bringing in a lot of his players, which is what they did. So. To some extent, I would say, and I spent all week on this joke, that uh, uh, Colorado State is uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. And in that, pardon me? I said, <laughs> yeah. you spent all week on it? Well, I'm workshopping it. Yeah. <laughs> You're your test audience. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, test audience. 
So uh, in any event, I don't know uh, exactly. And, and we do know they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're playing the air raid. They're going to throw it deep a lot. Uh, whether they can actually protect their quarterback, who's a redshirt freshman. And I think he's from uh, He's from Nevada. I think he's played at Nevada too, right? Do you know who I, he is? Do you remember the backup to like John Cameron L.A.? Millen, and, isn't that his name? Uh, yeah. a, Hugh, a Clay Millen, yeah. So, like, yeah. Hugh Millen was, like, the backup to every great quarterback in the NFL in the 90s. Like, he kept okay. switching. He went to Miami, and then he went to Denver. He was, like, all of them. He got all – I think he was behind um, Peyton at one point, too. So, uh, Clay – and we're going to see his other son against UConn, possibly, because I think they've got quarterback injuries okay. now. So, we might see both Millen brothers. Um, but Clay Millen, he was the heir apparent. So, they had uh, – was it Strong last year? The, the guy who was um, – he wasn't drafted, but he looked like he was, you know, a very good, efficient, air raid quarterback. And Clay Millen was the redshirt guy, the guy redshirting, but he played in two games, threw two passes, and he was the guy they were preparing for it. He walked in, he, he transferred along with like 11 other guys, the starting center, the guard, the entire special teams, the best player on defense, um, the slot receiver. He's actually the guy to worry about is Melkon Stovall. Uh, Stovall. Yeah. He's the... He's he's a slot who can go downfield. Like he's five foot eight, but you know he catches balls in traffic against um, guys that he do, you do not think you should be able to get to, and <coughs> he uh, he hurdles fools. He's a little bit of a concern, but uh, he's a redshirt freshman. Clay Millen is, and he's going to be starting his first game at Michigan Stadium. Like I think Colorado State can get better as the season progresses. But this is a complete transplant, and the rest of their guys are transfers as well. So, like, if you watch Colorado State last year, you can watch, like, the linebackers and one defensive tackle, and that's it. Like, nobody else on that team is really relevant. Even the starting um, receivers got pushed back by Nevada's starting receivers. And they were also a very um, tight end-oriented team last year. Trey McBride was the first tight end to win the draft. That was, like, their offense was that guy. And he's gone, too. And they... Had a red uh, a redshirt freshman uh, just win the job, and that guy, weirdly, because he's only caught one ball for nine yards, that guy is the preseason first team all um, all conference player. So I, I don't know if people thought they yeah. were voting for McBride or what, but I mean they're they're a team that can come together, but it's not going to happen the first day at Michigan Stadium. And I, I got I got a lot of other thoughts, but I got I'll save them for the preview. Well, look if you're gonna if you're gonna jumpstart a rebuild, uh, this is the way. I, I guess it's okay to go and, and raid your former team. Now this is the way to get it started quicker. Just what is what does that really mean? Taking players from Nevada? I mean that's just not that's not going to uh, you know even if they are clicking on all cylinders out the gate like like say uh, Kenneth Walker did unexpectedly. Michigan State last year, uh, that's still not good enough to challenge Michigan in this game. I still think it would be light work. So who do you who do you worry about if you're when you're on offense and you're Michigan? Who do you worry about on defense? Seth, do you got any names well, throughout this? So I'm the idiot of the offseason because I I watched their film and I saw the Iowa game and the Hawaii game and they had this guy Cameron Carter wearing number twelve at least side linebacker who was just balling out. And I'm like, this guy's this guy looks great. So I checked his Pro Football Focus page, and they loved him too. And I'm like, okay, this is the dude. This guy's gonna be awesome. The other linebacker they have is is pretty good too. He's like the team favorite. He's team captain and whatnot. Um, but I was like all about this Cameron Carter guy. And then Colorado State issues last week their uh, their depth chart, and he's behind a redshirt freshman walk on who's six two one ninety five. So that can't be football related. Can it? <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what position are we talking about? Now? Weak side linebacker. And so he weighs how much? 195. Okay. Yep, and he's going against Zach Sinter. Okay. So I I I kind of think that they're gonna Rutgers this. Um they uh they have Rutgers old defensive ends, uh CJ Onyechi. Uh they have they lost their like two hundred and seventy pound defensive end who was kind of like, you know, group of five, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, they have a 290-pound nose tackle who's pretty good. Like, that guy's uh, started for four seasons already. And, you know, if they start having that guy cross the nose and then just fold the defensive ends inside like Rutgers did, uh, 
I think that would probably be their best way of attacking Michigan's offense, especially if Michigan wants to run the ball a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, we it is break time here in the MGO Blog Roundtable. So we have uh, the second half. We'll uh, kind of look ahead, look at some other depth chart notes from the re- release depth chart. How about that by Jim Harbaugh? And then we'll look around week one, look at some of the other top games. Uh, of course, <clears throat> the biggest game of the day will be the one that takes place at night between Ohio State and Notre Dame. So a lot to get to on the other side here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTKA, the ticket. Clear on the radio. All right, let's get to some of these comments. As people have been very active oh, really? in the comments section. We're not reading the questions on the radio, so this segment's going to be terrible if I include it on the MGO blog. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I, I wasn't accounting for you uh, putting them on the on the podcast. So I'll start reading It's them. a very visual podcast. Uh, Nate so Trader, okay. true starter emerges in Maryland game and ends up starting at Iowa. I just think they're, they're going to decimate the, the Maryland. I think both guys are still going to do so well in those games that the real test, the real separator, will be at Iowa. I just hope it's not at Iowa at night. Mm. I mean, someone kept on saying it was going to be noon, and I was like, "Is that is that real?" <laughs> that, no. All right, here's one from Brian. Brian, hundred per. How many years have we not had a quarterback? Now we have two, and that's a problem. Well, yeah, it's a fair point, and 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 of course, you'd rather have two good quarterbacks than no good quarterback. That's for sure. Um, so that's certainly a reasonable point of view. I just I just worry because it sure looks like Brady Henson to me and that didn't work as well as it could. We had two good quarterbacks then. I it didn't work. I admit maybe that for quarterbacks a little different than running back. Right? Like yeah. Michigan State fans last year be like, I'd rather have Kenneth Walker than Blake Corum and uh Anderson Haskins and I was like, Well you do you, man, because I'd rather yeah. have two of those guys. Um but like I, I think there's some. There's probably something to said for quarterback where the locker room could split. There's there are there are dangers, but like you know, it's it's a much better situation than not having two great quarterbacks. Sure, I mean, and it's a uh, navigable situation. Gonna this says, sounds like we're going to see more base three four with Mozzie Jenkins and Graham with their hands in the dirt and Morris and Harrell on the edges. I don't know about that. I mean, I'll, this is Seth's. Well, it's just about who you're facing. You know, the the teams that you're going to face who use two tight ends are Iowa, Michigan State, and sometimes Penn State. Like, it's you're you're not going to see a lot of uh, oh uh, Illinois. So yeah, Yeah, you'll see that against Illinois. (laughs) Yeah, I think you know it's interesting the wording. He said it looks like we're going to see more base three four. I think what Jim said is that's their base, and he didn't necessarily say you're going to see more of their base. He yeah. just said that that is their base. Oh, it was, so their, I agree it was their base that last year, too. It, who, it's, it's, it's opponent dependent. All right, yeah. so now we get, we get other comments like this one. Man, it's late nights and early mornings. You look good, Sam. Late nights and early mornings, man. <laughs> this, yeah, this guy just went out and saw Nichols Harbor during the week that like everyone is asking the question, how's the team Back look? Back on the radio on 30, like the guys. world's leading expert on how's the team look. Like, give the man a break. So, so is Nicholas Harbor really going to end up at South Carolina? Is that? I don't think. Well, his track coach is, is yeah. I've talked to her a lot about it. And she just doesn't think so. Okay. She does not think so. I, uh, it's the last place he went. And it's the only, mm-hmm. it's the only school other than Maryland that both of his parents have seen so far. So the uh, word is that stand uh, by guys. the link kid killed it in that game. Uh, he, he, I wouldn't say he killed it. He, he did well. He did well. Right? I wouldn't say he killed it. Okay. Going back on the radio in five, four, three. And we, yeah, are, we back are back here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. It is M Go Blog Roundtable, part two. Brian Cook, Craig Ross, and Seth Fisher back in the metaphorical building. Um, I said before the break, let's let's talk depth chart. If you followed us on the inside the subseries, you you sort of expected for the quarterback thing to happen, and you should have expected Mason Graham, Mason Graham to be a guy 
who would be in the rotation as a true freshman defensive lineman. I guess I was even a little caught off guard that he is listed as a starter. Guys, that for a freshman, even even a freshman early in row, Lee Bryan, that is impressive. Well, I mean, we do have to take into account that Jim Harbaugh named about 20 starters on defense. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's something that I think is a good idea. It's very clever <laughs> to be like, yeah, we got – He's a starter. He's a starter. He's a starter. He's a starter. And he's a starter. So nobody can be upset about not being a starter. But you know, Graham is a guy who, as soon as he popped up on the recruiting radar, I was like, "This, this is the dude." So you look at his senior year; he blows up. He's playing against the best high school opposition in the country, probably, and he's just wrecking these people. He plays both ways the whole year. Oh, he's completely God. healthy. He. <laughs> He's got these like quotes where it's like, how does that feel after this game against some huge high school? And he's like, I could play another one here in the parking lot. And <laughs> guys like that do not move up enough sometimes, you know, because you have the kid who's committed to Boise State and like Aiden Hutchinson was the same way, right? When Aiden Hutchinson committed, he was a stick and they rightfully didn't rank him very high. And then he showed up at his all-star game. He was 50 pounds heavier and he crushed it. And he moved up a bunch, but did he move up enough? No. Was he a five-star? No. Should he have been? Yes. So I think Mason Graham should have been a five-star, and I'm not entirely surprised that he's done this so far. Now, I don't expect him to be like good right away because he's a defensive tackle, and that literally never happens. Like You can take any five-star defensive tackle, and you look at their freshman season in college, and it's they don't do much. So I don't really think that he's going to be an impact player, and I don't think he's really going to be a starter except against a couple teams, you know, Iowa, Michigan State, Illinois. But I think next year he's set to take off, and I think Michigan's going to need him to take off next year because I don't think Mozzie Smith's going to be around either. So, you know, I think they they got two hits at defensive tackle, which is extremely important because, honestly, I think that's the most important position on defense. And the way those guys get recruited these days, it's been very hard for Michigan to get in five stars and high high four stars on a consistent basis and they've had to kind of make do but when you get a mozzie smith in state and you're able to lock him down well i think you're going to see why defensive tackle is a spot where recruiting rankings are are very important and i think mason graham's going to be the same way yeah i went to see them play modern day uh last year and i mean that's modern day is a big time national program and that dude played every snap both ways and his energy was unmatched. I, I was, it was unbelievable. Just the, the sheer effort that he maintained over the course of the game was one of the most impressive things I've seen. Yeah. Uh, and in the high school football that, field, that's one of the things that holds back freshman defensive tackles, right? So Mozzie shows up on campus and the word out of practice is like, yeah, he can go hard for like two snaps and then he's, he's toast. And that's not going to happen with Mason Grant. That's, I mean, people are keeping talking up Kenneth Grant, but Kenneth Grant's 350 pounds, 360 pounds. He's going to be in that boat. Like, he's not going to be able to go for five, six, seven snaps at a time. Mason Graham will if it, if it comes to that. And then he's probably going to be between uh, Mike Morris and Mozzie Smith. So when he is on the field, I don't think he's getting doubled. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to single up Mozzie Smith. You, that's not going to go very well this year. So I think that it's a little bit alarming to have a true freshman as a quasi starter on your defensive line. But given the situation, I think he'll cope just fine. Yeah, keep in mind, yeah, too, any other uh, any other depth uh, chart notes sorry. that you saw there, Seth? Oh, I just wanted to throw something uh, about Mason Graham real quick. Because the last six months, he's been practicing against Zach Zinter and Olu Latimi and uh, Trevor Keegan, who are three of the best interior linemen in the country. So it's not just California competition that he's seen now, and the coaches mm-hmm. are rating him against those guys. And we saw in the spring game, like he he drew a hold against Olu, and no one else was getting anything against that guy. And you you see how the team's been talking about him. So you know I I'm transitioning this to the offensive line because that was the the piece that I wrote for the preview this year. Um, but man, like the offensive line, Zinter was a second year player last year, so like the third year is usually when offensive linemen take off. And, you know, his freshman year was the um, was the COVID year. So that was barely a season in, in itself. So and then last year he was playing with a club on his hand. So like that guy, you know, fully formed, 
When you like in the last half of the season last year, he was awesome. Uh, Trevor Keegan has lost a lot of weight, which is I think an interesting thing that we haven't talked about much. That every offensive starter, offensive line starter, lost weight this off season, and it makes me wonder because Stuber's gone. You're not going to run zone with Stuber, but they did like to have a stretch a little bit last year. They did it well because Vastardis did it well, but like you know, Stuber couldn't do it really, and Keegan couldn't really do it. But if Keegan's lost a lot of weight and the other guys are pretty agile, I mean, Ryan Hayes, pretty agile guy. Trent Jones, I mean, that's his whole thing. The guy's an athlete. Um, you ha- And, you know, I- I- Olu, I don't know how, mo- how he's going to look like in that because they didn't run a whole lot of zone in- at Virginia. But, like, if those guys can move, now you've got a whole other toolbox, uh, tool in the, uh, in the offensive line toolbox. This could be... I mean, you're returning most of a Joe Moore uh, winning unit. This this is an incredible offensive line and uh, really could be the engine of a fantastic offense this year. My question along these lines and speaking of depth chart is uh, Khalil Mullings. Now, he's gone back and forth from running back to linebacker. And last I heard, he seems to be at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? And And if that is right, it, the question for me is, well, do we have anyone who can in the backfield who has any ability to uh, uh, pass pro? I mean, last year you had Haskins, who, who wasn't Mike Hart. He was uh, good, though. He but was he good. was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, so he was good at pass pro. And, 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 and this year, I'm not sure if either Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum is going to yeah. do anything at pass pro. And, and I was hopeful that Mullings might be a pass pro third down guy. Why would you Why would you think that he would come in in his first foray as a running back and be able to pick that up more than be, those two? Yeah, it may I be mean, a Pollyanna-ish thought. I agree, but he's bigger. He's a bigger guy, and usually bigger guys are more adept uh, at 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 pass pro. I mean, Debbie and Smith was okay. Um, you know, a train was a killer at pass pro, um, uh, big, bigger backs. Usually have Smith was great. Mike Hart was great. Mike Hart was great, but Mike Hart, now, how do you play back. for Mike Hart and not be good at, at pass pro? I mean, and, and you got Freddie J in the building too. So yeah. I, I just, I think those guys will be, will be fine. I thought you were going to say, you know, hmm. short yardage and, and they bristle. Well, the there's some concern there too. You've got, you've got the short yardage concern. Man, who to bristles at what? The pass pro concern. Blake was like, hey, man, and we talked about this last week. Uh, I spoke about, spoke to him about it. Mm-hmm. The idea that they don't have a short yardage back is like, H2, Hassan was really, really good. He was a an outstanding player, right? Yeah. Who finally is getting his due. But let's yeah. imagine a world without Hassan Haskins in it. No one would be talking about Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards based on their high school profiles as being guys that weren't good at running between the tackles. They were actually yeah, really- but there's. I mean, you want a short yardage back because I don't want to put mileage on Blake Corum when it's third and two. I hear you on that. I hear you <laughs> like, on that. That's a that's a different that's different rationale. Well, that's but also like the mileage off as opposed to we don't have a guy capable well, of doing it. And frankly, like he can hop into hop into small gaps and stuff. But just in terms of the consistency of like I get hit and I still move forward two yards, he doesn't have that. Like. Hassan Haskins that's had that. that. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's true. Like maybe it's well, not he's ten pounds heavier, and he said you're gonna see, you're gonna feel it on the football field. All right. Well, I mean, maybe that's gonna be the case this year. So, well, we Haskins. So far, I mean, Brian's right in that Haskins' numbers last year on yards after you know being hit were was off the charts. I now, mean, it, to be clear, I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. not saying either of these guys would be Hassan in that as a short mm-hmm. yardage back. I'm not suggesting that at all. I mean, well, but if you do have an option of a guy who's 235 pounds, looks pretty athletic, and keeps falling forward, then I think that's something that would be good to explore. And I think that if Khalil Mullings is at linebacker, that says more about the depth at linebacker than uh, that, where yeah. Mullings is probably going to be best on a football field. Yeah, because he might have to start against Colorado State because of the injury to uh, Hill Kyle Hill Green. So, right. right. So what does that tell you that like you get? One of your two starters is dinged up, so he has to sit out the opener. And the guy who's going to replace him is a guy you've been practicing at running back half the time. That tells me that they think that he should probably be a running back, but they just don't have the depth at linebacker to do that now. And, you know, that's a problem. 
Like of all the all the spots on this year's team, linebacker depth is the one where it's just like if you lose a guy, things can go downhill very quickly. Yeah, you need Jimmy Rolder to grow up and Jimmy Rolder had a great camp. Jimmy Rolder had a great camp. Yeah, but he that's was a guy good. he was a guy who was like learning his position on the fly last year, and that's why he, he rose up the rankings so late. Like Wisconsin came yeah. in after him and he was like, No, you guys already have linebackers committed. So I But he's a freshman. Linebacker. True, true freshman linebacker. We saw that it's last year look with like... Olsen, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we know what that looks like. You know, even yeah. if you're really fast, sometimes you run in the wrong direction, and that's going to happen. So, yeah, they they really needed one or two of the other linebackers who washed out to stick around and just act as depth, and they don't have that. And so yeah. it kind of feels like, ideally, if they had two more linebackers who they had any confidence in, Mullings would have been a running back and a running back only for a long time. Yeah, CJ Stokes, we got a, uh, a a message on YouTube from Jamie Hooper. Said, look out for CJ Stokes, going to be a great third back. That is, that has been, some, there's been some buzz about CJ Stokes and uh, his physicality as a runner. So, yeah, he and he may, and that may be another part of the answer that they're comfortable with Stokes. They move Mullings over to linebacker. I agree with Brian that linebacker, inside linebacker, may, maybe for me, one of the two biggest issues on the team. Uh, the other being whether you can get any edge rush at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and last year, you know, that was obviously the strength of the team and made it easier for the corners uh, to cover when, when you're getting that level of pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that one, Seth. I think, well, first of all, in Stokes, that's another guy who's kind of got that Mason Graham attitude where, like, you get the quotes from him, and you're just like, I'm not happy. I'm never happy. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that, that guy has... He's built to something different than most people, and I I always like those guys in the context of football. Um, the the pass rush is an issue, but they're not going to be what they were last year, where the defensive tackles were kind of in charge of contain, and they just let Ojabo and Hutchinson rush the quarterback. They they don't have the guys to do it. They obviously don't. I we've seen enough of Upshaw, we've seen enough of Harrell to know that those guys are not Uche. And and that, and and not Winovich. Like that's not who they are. I, I would love it if they become that, but that they're not. But the shorter path to the quarterback is not from the edge. The shorter path to the quarterback is up the middle. So you got Mike Morris out there. He's two hundred ninety-two pounds. He's just going to be bull rushing and compressing the pocket. And this is what the Ravens did with Chris Wormley, who we are we are very familiar with, right? We know we've seen that before. And when Michigan had Wormley, what did they do? They had um, Graham Glasgow ripping through and getting upfield. They had Mohurst ripping through and getting upfield. And then the defensive ends just tried to just had to keep everybody contained, make sure there was no escape. So I hope that, you know, if it's Upshaw, that he's just gotten a much better push move, that he's gotten stronger. Uh, if it's Harrell, you know, I hope that they've worked on him with, with him on that too. Because I want those guys doing contain, and I want to see Mozzie Smith going upfield. I want to see Chris Jenkins going up upfield. I think Mason Graham probably played his way into that spot because – he was able to do that against these guys. He can get upfield. You can throw in guys like George Rooks. Like that's the one thing that he's shown so far is his ability to kind of, you know, Ryan Van Bergen his way through uh, through a path to the quarterback. So I think Michigan's going to get very different pressure, and then they're going to have to generate themselves by blitzing the linebackers. Junior Colson looks like a really really good blitzer. He's really dangerous on there. The Kai Hill Green had some great blitzes last year too. He um, uh, he, he's he's got that like knife ability right like he like sets you up and then gets right by you so they've got some talent that they can uh that they can throw at this they just can't do it the way they did last year yeah uh in the few minutes that we have left i want to look around i mean y'all predicting big victory for for michigan so we don't need to get into scores or anything like that but other intriguing games i mean how, how do you guys see the penn state purdue game playing out tonight i already answered so <clears throat> i don't know <laughs> where I'm, where is the I don't even know where the game's being played. Penn State Purdue at Purdue at, at Purdue. Purdue. Uh, I'm going to pick Purdue in a in that one. I I think uh, O'Connell is a good quarterback, and I think that Penn State is okay, but I think Purdue's okay too. I think there could be some points scored in that game, but uh, I'm leaning to Purdue. You fast forward to Saturday. Uh, I'm really excited to come home, be able to see Georgia, Oregon, and then the night, the night game that every the eyes of the country will be on: Ohio State, Notre Dame. Question is, will that still be a game at halftime? 
you know, <laughs> is is this gonna live up to the to the build up of that game? What do you think? I mean, what's the build up? The spread there is like seventeen, which is well, okay. So the, the names, the, the names in the yeah. rankings. That's what I mean by build up. Doesn't seventeen feel a little big to you? It does to me. It doesn't to me. It, it does doesn't not to me. Okay. I mean, Michigan's hope here probably has to be that Ohio State is destroying them because you know Notre Dame's been recruiting really well they've kind of stuck it into Michigan a little bit uh it, you know it looks like they've got a program kind of going but you haven't seen any of those coaches coach yet and if they just get absolutely obliterated by Ohio State that could really kind of slow the momentum of uh of Freeman's new program there so I, I just kind of want to see Notre Dame taken down there I look at the weapons and I don't see I think there's a very clear formula for, for beating Ohio State. We we got a glimpse of it in Ohio State's opener last year. And said, man, man, you can run the football on this team. You got to run the football on that squad, get some heat on. You remember because C.J. Stroud was looking kind of – he was looking kind of shaky in that game because they were hitting him some. So I was like, run the football, hit the quarterback. You can keep them corralled a little bit. Minnesota couldn't finish the job, not talented enough. Their running back gets hurt in that game and knocked out for the season. Michigan was able to – I know they lost to Oregon too, but Michigan executed that plan better than anyone. I just don't see the ingredients to slow down what I expect to, to be in as po- – a more potent, a more potent Ohio State offense. Imagine that when they just lost two first-round receivers, but they replaced them with like two more five-stars uh, on top of Jackson Smith and Jigba and old Marvin Harrison Jr. and C.J. Stroud now with a year under his belt. I think they're going to light Notre Dame up. I think they're going to light them up. I'm not sure I agree. I mean, I uh, people I know who follow Notre Dame think the Notre Dame offensive line is really good, and and that and that they'll be able to run the ball against most teams. And as you point out, Sam, Ohio State was not a great run defense last year. I mean, I think how many times did Michigan uh, pass the ball in the second half of their, of their game last year? Four times, maybe Yeah, they, they suffered from, they were in, they suffered from incompetence, incompetent hiring for, for uh, Kerry Combs. And then you try to make a, a move in season to, to a different defense. It was always, always set up for a good offensive team, a really good offensive team to be able to take advantage. They they at least will be confident this year. I don't expect them to go and be world beaters defensively, right? But they'll at least be a confident defense. They'll at least have act like they've seen a split zone before, which I questioned at times <laughs> last year. So, I, you know, will Notre Dame run the football? I, I imagine they will. Will they run it as effectively as Michigan? I'd be surprised. No. I mean, it's, it's- – I'm I'm worried that Notre Dame will do well in that game just because I don't want any momentum there. That's that's the. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, but I, I hear you. I, I don't can you feel see dirty it. rooting for Ohio State to win that game? Oh, though. absolutely dirty. But you know what? Whatever uh, I, they they come, we 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 beat them when they're undefeated in Columbus. They'll so feel even better. Yeah. I I have a a sort of last second question for you guys. I mean, uh, will Nebraska fire Scott Ross? Uh, Scott Frost on October 1st, saving themselves $7 million and uh, hire Urban Meyer. I saw this. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. Oh, I don't yeah. know if this is just... Because uh, this came up yesterday on a national show. Yeah, I don't know if Dan Patrick is just creating yeah. a talking point. If Urban Meyer called him and said, hey, mention me. Yeah. Or if he just has bad sourcing. But I could see a flailing team reaching for that lifeline, thinking that it'll save them. Because you got to be feeling like if you're a Nebraska fan, if Scott Frost can't do it, yeah, who can? can. I, yeah. I just don't think it's possible for Nebraska to get back to what they were. They'll never recruit L.A. like they did. They'll never recruit Texas like they did. They'll never have the kind of profile in a league that they did before they joined the Big Ten. And their, their natural recruiting ground is Nebraska. It's the Heartland region. I mean, I just I don't see it. Yeah, but not even for Urban Meyer. They have a great fan base. If they can, if the SEC for some reason implodes and Texas is now open for business again, that's their that's their path. They have a great fan base, though. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah, with that. Know. I think they could be good. They could be better than what Scott Frost has been. Yeah. I'm, but I'm talking about can they ever be Tom Osborne's no. Nebraska again? I, I just. 
I remember I Sapp, Sapp introduced me to Bill McCartney, and he was talking about Nebraska in the Big Ten. Um, and he, Bill was like, you know how I recruited against Nebraska? I had them visit Lincoln, and then I had them come out here to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I the thing is, I mean, the fans in Nebraska, I, I tracked it post-game Northwestern, were just furious. I mean, they're just going – stark raving crazy over what happened this last week and uh and when when they lose by 50 which they might to oklahoma in week four i i could i think that's when they play them i yeah, think they actually gave oklahoma a game last year didn't they it, it'll be yeah, every yeah, they they michigan a game they gave ohio state a game they, they, yeah, they, they gave, they gave everybody a game. game they gave northwestern a game you know <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. Here's what we know, Craig. So you're Northwestern the game. Yeah, to, to answer your question directly, they will not fire him before October 1st. Yeah, we, we know can, that. We one. can guarantee that. Yeah, uh, will they fire him on October 1st? I don't know, but I think he will get fired. And I could see them or Arizona State. That's the other team that I guess he mentioned. I could see both of those teams. Urban Meyer, you're Urban talking Martin about State. Urban Meyer going to yeah. Arizona State. All right, fellas, that is going to do it for us this week. It is game week a couple of days away. When we come back next week, you're going to be able to recap a mission. Looking forward to that. Have a great week. Have fun this weekend. To the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTK Ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor, a cumulus station.